sound of sensation across the nation. Listen to Radio Goodies. Boom. Once again, welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, episode 21. I'm Dave. I'm Richard. And Rob said he didn't like Kid and Kong, so we banned him from the podcast this week and got Tom in instead. Hi, Tom. Hello. Yeah, look, that's not quite true. Rob, unfortunately, couldn't be with us, but it is true that he... He did, he did, he did say, say he didn't actually like Kit and Kong that much. He did not live up to expectations, so it's a shame he So we would have banned him, even if he was <laughs> <laughs> No, we wouldn't do that. Rob's a great guy, really. We Just not you. here. We love him. We also love King Kong, don't we, guys? We do. We do. We do. So, we've decided that we're going to talk about this episode here, which is the Montreux Special Edition version of it. And after our general discussion, we'll have a bit of a chat about this version versus the episode and all the stuff that goes around that. The original episode aired on the 12th of November 1971 at 10.10pm 10, 10 on a Friday. The Montreux version didn't air until the 9th of April 1972 which was a Sunday at 5 past 10 p.m. Now, I think it's fair to say that there are a number of episodes of The Goodies that are considered you know, right up there, classics, memorable, and King Kong certainly one of them. Would I be overstating it, gentlemen, if I said that in terms of iconic, in terms of the visuals, the story, the memories, this is probably the most iconic episode? I, I think it's certainly got the most iconic image of the series in it, which is Twinkle demolishing the um, the post office tower. Mm. Yes, it was reused in the opening credits, I think, across pretty much the entire rest of the series, or the BBC series anyway. Yes. yes. I, I think it's their first big iconic episode. An interesting discussion point, as we've been recording these, I've sort of been telling people I know that, that we're doing the podcast and, you know, go and have a listen. And of course, a lot of them then want to talk about their memories of the goodies. And this is one that's, this episode is one that's consistently come up every time. I mean, they then move on to some of the other ones like the clown virus or they move into the string episode. But I, I have to say Kitten Kong is one that's consistently mentioned by everybody I've mentioned the podcast to. Yeah, not only is it a very good script, it is, as you say, visually very memorable. And it's one that I, you're right, it rests with the general public. And if you ask people who were not, in inverted commas, fans of the goodies, but just viewers of it back in the day... I think this is the one that most sticks in the memory. Uh, well, I'd say so. It's to the point uh, about 10 years ago, maybe longer, uh, Graham Garden was on a panel show that he co-hosted or was part of panel, him and Jeremy Hardy, saying, and the question was, who was the star of the goodies? And he's gone, oh, it's that bloody kitten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, the uh, presenter, who was uh, Clive Anderson, goes, uh, the answer is actually Bill Oddie, but I'm going to pay you that. <laughs> So we'll get into this. The episode, I think, is strong from the start because it starts off with Bill trying to look after the guinea pig, but then Graham and Tim come in, having just been to the International Chess Championship. Championships, <laughs> which is very funny because they treat it as a football spectacle. All the gags about the crowd went wild. How many were there? Just us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Grabowski chant, which I tried a little bit of research. I couldn't find Grabowski... Certainly in the top 10 players in the international championship at that time. So that was a bit of research that wasn't needed. 
<laughs> a really strong start. Gentlemen, what else can we say about the opening? Uh, it's fun. <laughs> it is. It, it sparks all... It does. It, it is. I mean, again, we get to see the fact that Bill's clearly learned to cook. But uh, it, it is a, a very strong opening. I mean, Tim comes in and we have the bit about you cooking. We can barely afford to feed ourselves. You know, and we, you're giving four-course meals to flaming guinea pigs. Yes, uh, you get onto the mock domestic argument about, well, the last time you cooked it was cornflakes and that was burnt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I found it got very fa- fast to the, to the heart of the storyline that yes. they needed to get to to eventually get to Kit and Kong. And the interesting point to note here is that unusually, not only is Bill cooking... But he's the one that starts the crazy scheme. That generally speaking, you think it'd be Graham that had taken the guinea pig in and he was doing the experiments. But this time it's actually Bill. It is, of course, Graham that works out how to monitorise the yes. process. So this is a very interesting idea, and clearly we we can make a few bucks out of this. Mm. It is. Although it's Tim, I think, that has the the actual cloud bubble that then leads into the film sequence. Yes. So it's like again. Although we're right at the end of series two here, or midway through series two, if you look at the original episode, that that ability to rotate the goodies into different positions is really starting to show there. And what I think later would have been a grand role does start with Bill. Mm. And as for the better of it, possibly it's because Graham maybe wrote the chess stuff and decided he wanted to do that bit. Maybe. Um, which would make sense, because it's very funny. We then move very quickly into the first filmed insert scene, if there was anything I was going to say didn't quite live up to my expectations or memories, it might be that, that first one. film one. I'm not saying it's remotely bad, but compared to what comes later, uh, it, oh, look, maybe it's an element of, come on, get to the cat. But, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I do feel a bit sorry for that poor dog that's put in the basket <laughs> oh, and yeah. jammed in on top of it. And I, I think that's probably what you couldn't get away with now, perhaps. But Yeah, that dog clearly does not want to be there. No, no, I do feel a bit sorry for that dog. I, I must admit, the bit with the python was probably one iteration of that joke too many. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim wrestling with the python. But look, the rest of it was quite funny. I mean, they get the, the they get the goldfish that they just pour in there, yes. and then there's the chicken and the du- and whatever. And look, I, I thought that was entertaining and well done. Yes, and you do actually see Twinkles being handed over. Yes, at, at, mm. right at the start. Yeah. Although I, I believe in the original version, the cat actually doesn't have a name. Twinkle, oh, okay. Twinkle is a, a something for the second for the second iteration, but. But yeah, look, I, I thought it did what it had to do. I mean, there's a scene at the end where they cycle off and the, the, the lone chicken's left standing there in the street having flooded out. Oh, look, I, I thought it worked. Oh, I'm not saying it didn't work. I just think it was, as you said, maybe there were a couple too many iterations. I think, I think the python was probably the bit that dragged for me. Yeah, but, and it's holding you back from getting back to the real... Yes, let, let, the just, just get to the cat. Yes. <laughs> we then cut back to the goodies office where Graham has now... Fully adopted the loony scientist mantra yes, and he's got the coat on. And, and of course gets to do his pet's corner routine. Yes. Which is right. brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Whether it's the, he says no, he doesn't want to oh, come out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Or the vampire bat. Yes. Um, and or the bush, bush Oh, the bush, bush, bush baby. Bush, yeah, yeah, the bush baby. And of course the bush baby you can keep coming back to. Oh, yes. Because he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> Yeah, look, that's just Graham. He's just doing that sketch. That's part of his little... But it's the afterthought that he puts into each of the time that, you know, he just doesn't, you know, doesn't realise. And then it's, oh, blows his nose and (laughs) stuff in his pocket. pocket. Leave Uh, me alone. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the vampire bat, again, you're right. There's the initial gag of it coming out and having to put it back in. And then there's just him frantically, like, not knowing where to look or what to do. It's it's a brilliant performance by Graham Garner. It just, this episode just keeps building and building Mm. really well. It does. And then, of course, we have the, the scene with the singing dogs. 
Yes, which... Uh, uh, which, which, look, given the film techniques at the time, that is a masterpiece of film editing. That exactly is. It's, it's not just the dogs opening and shutting their mouths. They're, they're making the right head gestures and you know, mm. swooping down on notes with their mouths. It's really, really good. Yeah, it's oh. incredibly good. And it must have... I mean, I mean that, how many days of work would that have been for a film editor in 1972? Mm. It would yeah. have been absolute days of would have been. sitting there, you know, copying and cutting and everything. But it's wonderfully done. Uh, we then get to the second filmed... We then, we then meet Twinkle, of course. Twinkle is 23 years old. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still a tiny kitten. <laughs> yes, so they're giving it hormones. To yeah, so Tingle up. needs to toughen himself up. Yeah. Um, yes, which, which of course does take us... And, and the, second, the second film montage, I think, is actually the initial kernel of the episode. Because it comes, apparently, from a, a sketch Bill wrote for Ronnie Barker. Yes. Which Ronnie Barker immediately wrote off as far too physical and nobody would be able to pull it off, which was the bit with the kitten on the stick. Yes. A bit of fluff on the stick being the kitten. And, and of course, who does it? Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and does it really, really well. Now, I want to mention here, because something that's always bugged me, is one of Tim Brooke Taylor's go-to stories or anecdotes, and you see it when he's interviewed sometimes, it's in the Goodies reunion documentary that oh, the dog. Years ago, yeah. is about the dog mess that he gets dragged through when they're yes. doing the stop-motion dragging. Mm. Now, yes, I get that that would be a terrible thing to have had to do, you know, be frame-by-frame frame moved through a pile of dog mess. Given that it was stop-motion and they were cutting in between each scene, why couldn't they just remove the mess? Or did they just not tempt Tim, Tim that they could do that? I have no idea. So I think they might have just said, oh, no, sorry, we can't have anybody else in that shot, Tim, because, you know, might mess up the thing in front of it. Yeah, that, that's the only thing I can think of is they're worried about maybe some footprints on the grass or, in front of them. Maybe it upset the tracking of the shot or something. Yeah, I, I, did, I didn't quite get that either. Or it's just a really good story to tell. Well, well no, because it clearly happens, because if you yeah, watch, if you, you watch when, when you watch them break down the scene, you can you see, see it's absolutely the yeah. Yeah. Uh, But nevertheless, it's very effective... And it ends in with him stuck up a tree. Yes. But <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, some wonderful physical comedy from all three, in fact, during that scene. It is. Uh, I'm very, very fond of Graham with his tortoise. You know, <laughs> fetch, fetch. <laughs> Again, it's the physicality then, of Graham Garden that just is unsurpassed yeah. in a lot of Goodyear's episodes. Yeah, and then the the bouncing tortoise. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a simple gag, a tortoise bouncing. <laughs> but it's hilarious. Oh, it is, it's funny. Uh, then we get into the second half, which is set three or four days later. Uh, yes, where Twinkle is now giant. Colin the tortoise has escaped. Yes, <laughs> and uh, now I have to say, when I first saw this as a young kid, that first shot of the slow motion scream from Tim when he first sees oh, Twinkle, he's that, having nightmares that, about that, that bloody terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, as I say, it's not so much the image of the giant Twinkle. It's the shot of Tim, like that interspersed, just slow motion. Yeah, and just lying in bed screaming. Yeah, very artistic. It's very well done. Yeah, mm. and, and you know, Bill, I'm not licking you, I'm not licking you. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it's very obvious he's just pulled that nightshirt on over his costume. Mm. But yeah, yeah which, and funnily enough though, when they do the outside sequence, he actually, he's, he's actually not wearing, well, he's not wearing pants under it anyway. No. No, well then, of course, we see the giant twinkle, and I mean, you, you get the conceit that, that Bill's put the cat out. Yes. Yes. Which, which does date this episode, because a lot of councils yeah, now, yeah, now you, you wouldn't be allowed, allowed to do that now. No. You then get into the start of the real iconic stuff of the episode, which is obviously 
them first of all going to find Twinkle, then finding Twinkle. Before you do that, you have that scene with Graham, of course, putting on his one-piece outfit oh. <laughs> and zipping up. So Was that the first use of that? Uh, no, it's no, the second. Used second. It second, it in snooze. snooze. That's right. When we talk about iconic imagery in the episode, just them tracking those giant footprints good. around London is really good. Then all the gags that come out of that. Oh, right down to the bike. It's just even go around corners by itself. Yeah, yeah the no, bike that does that. The, the crowd that's running the other way and then the, the, the dog pointing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really good. Any other points before we mention Twinkle itself? Because I was just going to say, the model work on the Twinkle stuff... Oh, is, oh, is great. It is yes. impressive. And, and even stuff down to the detail of the lamppost in the model shot that falls perfectly syncs with the real yep. mo- model lamp, or the real prop lamppost. Yeah, that smashes that, next that smashes. to it. Really well stuff. Lots of effort's gone into that design. Oh, it, it's a masterstroke of work that, you know, you, we've said the post office tower, you know, the... Yep. Uh, the St. Paul's Cathedral. Yeah, really good stuff that went into that. And they also, you know, Jurassic Park style, went to the trouble of building <laughs> one limb of a real cat to yeah, that's actually, right. actually use to... Flatten Michael Aspel. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was a late addition. Yes. Yes, but a, a real journalist. Yes. And and you can... I think you can tell that by the audience reaction to him. When you see him, well, I mean, they'd taken him off uh, as Michael Aspirin in, in The Baddies. Yeah, he was written into it. He agreed to do it because he, he quite enjoyed the show. Yeah, but and I think this is an example now of something where the, the, the joke works far better then because back then television journalists were even more so sort of up on a pedestal as part of the establishment and you know very, very right and proper and authoritative. So seeing one of them not only turn up in the goodies but then get flattened by a giant cat. Yes. Mm. You know, it, it's a real, oh, wow, they wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's incredible. And it still works now, even if you don't know who it is, just mm. watching him get flattened by a giant <laughs> cat. Or could be anyone, but it still works really well. Yes, the day two of Twinkle's occupation of the city <laughs> of London. <laughs> James, we're moving towards the end of the episode. What did we all think? Like, does, it, does the ending work? Does it all hold up? What are your favourite bits of that part? Because obviously they're getting the mouse costumes. It, and, it was... Uh, the ending ending or just the continuation of the story to the dramatic climax in confrontation with Twinkle Uh, the whole bit the lot I mean very good effect of the changing cabinet for Graham yeah well they use a they use a A double yes for that for Graham to walk in so Graham can come out in the mouse outfit them up in the balloon all of that sort of stuff to let's say can we say Twilight Zone ending (laughs) the the episode gave us (laughs) yeah again them just Falling around on the flying bike yeah. is great. I, I love the bit after Bill's fallen off where he still takes the time to put the um the antiseptic <laughs> swab, swab <laughs> on the cat. And then of course you get the big audience. Oh, oh when you see the little kitten just sitting right, in the in middle the of the street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you then go back to the office and you have the bit where Tim trying to wrap Twinkle in a oh, parcel. Or wrap all the animals up, yeah. you know, get those all back. I've never been any good at wrapping because <laughs> he folds it back and under there's the cat. <laughs> And then they find out that the mice have been eating the growth hormone. Yes. Now, this was actually done differently in the special versus the episode. I believe in the episode they just had uh, real mice that were blue-screened in to to the the shot, whereas in the special version they've actually built three giant mice. Yeah, well, I suspect it's probably the same giant mouse head just at three different points in the studio. Probably, probably, yes, yes. But yes. So, a very funny episode. Fair to say that we all loved it from start to finish. Yes. Good. Now, 
we've made mention a couple of times about this being the special versus the original episode. Either of you want to talk us through what actually happened there and why they're different versions and what we have today? Well, originally when they, they showed it, it was raised up as a contender for the Golden Rose television competition. So, it, and it was selected as probably a really good representative for the BBC to put forward. Yep. But to do so, that it, the rules of the competition say that it has to be shown within, I think, something like six months before the competition. The original showing wouldn't would not have uh, fall outside would, those, would have fallen yeah. outside those guidelines. Mm-hmm. So, and they said, okay, we'll rewrite it. We'll rewrite some new scenes. Graham and Bill got another little writing commission. Yep. Out of that, and so it was presented as a special, and then shown in that April time slot. Montreux. Depends how in-depth you want to go, but I mean, the, the first half of the episode is broadly similar. You have them fixing the guinea pig or helping the guinea pig at the start. The film scene of them collecting the animals is exactly a straight reuse, so that's that's no different. The, the original scene is, is there's, there's reworked dialogue and, and whatever in there with the guinea pig. The next scene in the office, there's been reworking in the original version. I don't think Graham did the mongoose joke. I think no, it's the one that's missing. It was something else. Yeah, and and the singing dogs was actually Bill singing. You've got the cutest little baby face with it with a sheep, in the original one. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that was upgraded. Yes, the 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 exercising. Oh, sorry, the singing dogs actually is a reuse from an episode of Broaden Your Mind. Yeah, it's, it was a batch, uh, apparently a longer clip I think originally, but exercising the pets is again the original straight reuse from the original episode. So they actually went to the point of redressing them in their uh, early season two costumes. Yeah. So, so it would blend in. The dog, I, I think, actually had a, a slightly larger role, I think, in the original one. They made a mention of the dog being a, a, a sort of a, an effeminate dog. Yes. Um, or a gay dog, I think. So that's why Bill's trying to get him to growl and to toughen him up a bit. Um, oh, in the filming okay. sequence. That gives a bit more context to it. And then, of course, there, there's Tim is again left in the tree um, and makes his way back to the office a few days later. And then Bill puts the cat out and whatever. And then you get into the completely new stuff, which is the, 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 the film sequence of them going out looking for Twinkle, which was completely different, I think, the first time. Mm-hmm. It was a milk float and a fishmonger's, I think, the first time. Yeah, once again, from not actually ever seeing the original. No, <laughs> true, yes. Having never seen the original, yes. I, I think, from what I read, it, it was a... a they, they find an upturned milk float with all the milk having been drunk by the cat and there's a fishmonger's that's been completely stripped of all its fish couple of terrified people they then go back decide that yes dressing as mice and and having a giant saucer of milk is the way to lure twinkle Mm. graham then uh twinkle actually captures graham and 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 but because graham's been covered in pepper twinkle won't eat him they escape from the thing and then give twinkle the injection they go up on the train inside the flying train and inject twinkle and then come back down to the applause of everybody so the concord gag is a new uh is a new addition and then you go back to the office where they're dispensing with the animals, and then obviously you have the mouse gag with the CSO. Yeah, so um, look, as we see originally. It, it, well, I guess one of the reasons why the episode is so good is they've had a chance to do it once and then improve it. Yeah, and, and yeah. tighten it and and, and add yeah. some better gags. So that certainly shows. Now the original episode though is the only actual missing episode of the goodies now, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. Now was that scrapped because the BBC actively said we've got this new version, we can throw this one out? Or was there a confusion about the two? Or I, is it just pure coincidence that one's been lost? No, I, I think it's uh, sort of like a variation of both. Uh, basically, they've said, we've got this version. This is the one we've sent for Montrose. 
never offered for overseas sale. No, I was going to say the original. Uh, one, so it just got probably just got junk. Much like Wicked Waltzing that got junked and everything else, it was just one of those. A lot of them went missing. Just that we did get those other episodes, but Montrose was only ever on offer for so sale when, outside of the country. Once they were doing the overseas sales, they yeah, they, it was that one they sold. Yeah. So we keep mentioning this Montreux Film Festival. I've done a bit of a look into that. This is a festival from Switzerland that first developed as... Originally, it was meant to be a bit of an exchange showcase. So the Swiss said to other countries, you show us the best of your material, we'll see what we may be like, and then we'll swap you some other stuff. And it then developed into more of a Eurovision-style competition, which was meant to be the best of television from the area. The, the, the area grew from Europe to be broader. But the aim being that you could really improve your overseas sales if you did well and got recognised yep. at Montreux. And the goodies went in. They won the Silver Rose in uh, this episode in 1972. The winner of the Gold Rose that year was another UK production, which was the Marty Feldman Comedy Machine, which includes some work by Terry Gilliam. It included work by Spike Milligan. So that's a pretty impressive, yep. you know, people to lose to. I don't think you'd be too ashamed to lose to that combination. Uh, it still goes on now, and certainly went on afterwards. The Goodies won a silver again in 1975 for the movies. That's right. Uh, but The Muppets won in 1977. Now, Penn and Teller won in 1986. So considering that they're still doing wow. television today, that's quite an impressive feat. But if you go through, it's interesting. There's a lot of shows there that now that, you know, I would like to think I have a fairly wide-ranging knowledge of television. There's some stuff in there that is just completely lost the mist of time. There's a couple of things in there when you look at it, you go, oh, I remember that being big back then, but it's disappeared. And there's only a very few things that really stood out, okay. even recently, as being really big. So interesting, but yeah, a great award for the goodies. On that note, we will go back now to our regular segments. Mm. First of all, which is ads. Now, these, these are probably a little bit interesting. I mean, there's the, the first one is obviously the Robinson's paper ad. Yes, with, it's with tough. The, it's tough. It is a, a spoof of a, a send-up of a, of a contemporary ad, I think, for Shell, where the, they put the gallon of petrol and it obviously goes further on Shell than it does. And the, the ad had the car breaking through mile markers. You, you assume that that was the case. <laughs> yeah, and obviously goes further on Shell than it does on, on Brand X. Yeah. So that, that's that one. And that, that ad was in the original uh, Kitten Kong. Yep. Andrew Pixley's book, and yet again I'm going to make a shout-out to Andrew Pixley's excellent uh, Super Chaps 3 book. If you don't have a copy, go and grab one. You can actually get them if you're Australian. You can get them printed locally through Lulu. You don't have to order them from overseas. That's right. Yes, which will help save your postage costs. He makes a note that there was originally a second ad in the original Kitten Kong that uh, now of which there are now no details. Okay. It's but completely lost. Yes. The second ad in the Montreux version is the Butch Tobacco ad. Butch, the tobacco for men. <laughs> Now, that originally came from art for art's sake, but it was then felt obviously to be quite a visual ad, so it was cut uh, into this one, um, and then it was removed from art for art's sake. I actually would have probably preferred that you reused the Raz ad from Sesame. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I still think that's probably the best ad they did. But it's worth mentioning there that Milton Reed, who actually appears as the bodyguard in that ad, who has a phenomenally long list of credits including, I believe, three Bond films. Yeah. But, Richard, you were saying is actually from the original version. He, he is, apparently, yeah. It's a send-up of a, of an, of a tobacco ad, a uh, contemporary tobacco ad. And, yes, he actually plays the, the chap's bodyguard in the real ad. So, again, that's another pretty good get for them. Yeah, that's very impressive. And, of course, we also have Corbett Woodall 
playing himself. Which I guess brings us to our goodies first and tropes. And Corbett Woodall, not quite a regular at this point, as not quite as regular as he'll become as the new newsreader, but popping up. Any other first or tropes we had here, gentlemen? Uh, it's the first appearance of Michael Aspel as himself, though mentioned previously. First famous person to appear as himself? Yeah, it would be, yeah, as, as himself. Yeah, other than Milton Reed. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, because he was in the ad earlier. Yes, wasn't that's he? right. Okay. Uh, anything for what couldn't they get away with today? As I said, I, I think that poor dog in the collecting the animals sequence, I, I think you would do that differently now. Because that dog clearly is not having a good time. No, very true. Uh, I mean, he doesn't obviously want to get in the basket initially. Clearly doesn't want to stay in the basket and clearly doesn't want to have a large stuffed python chucked in on top top of it. it. Would you say, what what about the Tom and Jerry ripoff? Yeah, that's true, actually. Well, I mean, it is a straight lift from, that's right, from the the Mammy character in, in Tom and Jerry. But, yeah, I don't know that you could do that. That's probably too much of a stereotype. Well, I, 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 actually, I actually don't doubt that you couldn't do that gag these days, but both because of you know it's a woman jumping there, it's clearly a foreign woman jumping there. I have to say, guys, I didn't know that was a takeoff of anything, so I just saw that for being a, a you know woman mm-hmm. jumping on the table when she sees a mouse joke, and I thought, wow, that's really inappropriate, yeah. not knowing the context. Yeah, no, straight out of uh, you know a Tom and Jerry thing. Every time you know Jerry ran through a room, uh, you had the. Uh, black housekeeper jump on there going, Thomas, Thomas, and would exactly like that. And you actually hear that, that dialogue okay. in, yeah. uh, just under there where yeah, she okay. says the same thing. So uh, whilst it is a satire of the cartoons of that happening, which was probably appropriate at the time. Uh, uh, um, plus, the, plus, I mean, Tom and Jerry is one of the things. I mean, the goodies is basically Tom and Jerry, Jerry live action. Live but, action. But considering people are complaining about that, in Tom and Jerry now yes. as well, mm. uh, I, I, don't, I don't think you'd be able to get away with yeah, that. Yeah, I think if you knew the context, you might excuse it. I didn't know the context. No. And I thought it was quite... That's because you're young. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Well, um, gentlemen... Oh, there, oh, I was going to say, that there is, there is one edit here, which is when it was screened here, there's a bit where Tim comes back in the office after being up the tree. Now, everybody's saying it's edited because everybody thinks he says four bloody days. I've actually always heard it as ruddy. I, I, it is ruddy. Yeah. Um, it was changed. Was it? Yes. The, 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 the original broadcast version from episode 7, he had bloody, and that was what was complained about by the BBC. Oh, so the original version of the episode. Yeah. And they got it down to ruddy hell from that, and the Australians actually dampened that down a bit as well on our broadcast. Another thing. The only time that they used different end credits and it was like, are you being served? You have been watching. Yes. Yes. I okay. did notice that with all the clips from the episode. Yes. Yep. Yes. No, that was that was a bit different. Gentlemen, time to wrap this one up. But before we do that, our favourite gags. Pet's Corner with Graham. All of it. Mongoose, Vampire Bat and the Bush Baby. Yeah, that, that was pretty... That, look, that was Yeah, pretty that, that is probably the high point of the episode. I actually quite liked the bit with Bunter the guinea pig eating his meal. Um, <laughs> I actually think that that's quite funny. The ultimate shot in there is obviously is, is Twinkle on the post office tower. Yes. Um, I think that is, is the, the most iconic image of the goodies. Tim has gone on record saying the original Kitten Kong was the turning point for the series. It's, it's really when the audiences started taking notice of them because, it, you know, let's face it, who doesn't love a cute fluffy kitten? But... <laughs> 
it's when the audience and it, it's the point at which the audience started this is the sort of stuff we, we really like this is what the audience then started coming to expect this sort of lunacy every week that you do, do crazy stuff like giant cats every single week and and this is the point really where the show st- a found its audience and b really started to take off yeah and i think we see from here a, a further change in direction of the series that we'll look at over the coming weeks and months uh look the gags that i had were very similar to yours i'm going to add in there though as well uh, the bit where graham loses his temper at tim thinking he's throwing the cat out that ends with him screaming at his face what have you done to my pussy <laughs> <laughs> not just because of the gag but just because graham goes absolutely nuts, nuts. yeah yeah very very funny so gentlemen look that was king kong wonderful episode iconic episode interesting episode fun episode we love this episode we do you we do. do so next week we're going to be coming back with something a little bit different which is a couple of specials rather than the episodes themselves so yes do tune in for that in the meantime enjoy a walk in the black forest Rob, you couldn't be there for the recording of our Kippen Kong episode, but by the magic of time travel and editing, we're able to get your thoughts here separately. So, given this is such an iconic episode, what did you think of Kippen Kong? I watched this twice. The first time I watched it, I was underwhelmed, which I know will shock people. Uh, but then having had a chance to, to watch it again you know, closer to time, I realised that I was wrong in my initial <laughs> estimation. And it is, it is a very good episode. Tim actually comes to the fore, I thought, a great deal early on, so there's, there's, there's more of Tim front and centre. But in, in terms of the actual story, I mean, it is, it is your, your classic goodies. There's the, there's the setup and there's the whole the, the sort of the running around. There's a lot of really good comedy in it. I found that Graham's physical comedy, especially with the mongoose and uh, I think it's the bush baby later on, yes. that, that's just quintessential Graham. So in terms of the writing and, uh, and, and sort of the physical comedy, which is sort of the, the, the goodies for today, I think it's a really, really good episode. I mean, I don't know that there's much else to say other than agree with everyone else. Fair enough. Any favourite points? Uh, well, again, uh, as I said before, Graham and, and the mongoose uh, was, was, was quite funny. Uh, there's a couple of interesting lines. Um, Tim saying to Bill, the only dumb friend I've got is you. Uh, it still makes me laugh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just think it's it's a very well done episode. I can understand why they would want to want to have remade it for TV, given the, the original one is sort of lost. So yeah, I, I think it's just very very good example of the show at that time. All right, and we'll cut now back to the present. Resentful of a little kindness to one of our dumb friends. Well, the only dumb friend I've got is you. Well, 